0: Change the world, change the world. Oh, okay. We can change the world, we can change the world, change the world. We
1: this is the Santita the Jackson, Jackson the Show.
0: War and hate to a place of love, it's not too oh. late. Gotta save the children, we can't wait. Let's change the world.
2: Uh-huh. I am grieving. Hey everybody, welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. It's Monday, March 13th, 2020. 23. We have a great day. We're going to be talking with Commissioner Brandon Johnson, one of the two candidates for mayor who will become mayor April 4th. We want to know. We want to know what his stands are on the issues and, you know, what uh, what he envisions for Chicago. A lot of questions about defund the police. A lot of questions about Taxes? Will they be rising? He says, no, they won't. And he says, I'm not trying to defund the police. What I'm trying to do is take the funding for the police, perhaps add to it, and add some other people who can support the police. So we've got a lot to talk about today on the Santita Jackson Show with a tremendous panel that's going to do the lead-in to this discussion with uh, Brandon Brandon Johnson, Commissioner Brandon Johnson. And, of course, we have... uh, Dr. Shanita Knighton to be talking to us about the latest on about our health and and then, of course, I want to call her pastor, but she certainly is a great woman of God. Pam Morris Walton. So let's get right to it, everybody, on the Santita Jackson show. I think it feels like winter has returned, right? Oh, my gosh. When will we get the spring Oh uh, in Chicago? July. <laughs> everybody in Chicago, we're going to have a high of 34 degrees today and snow showers. Minneapolis, St. Paul, 28 degrees, mostly cloudy. In the NBA, the Bulls had the night off. Uh, the Timberwolves will be playing the Hawks tonight, and, and they had the night off, and they will have the night off. And in the NHL, the Coyotes are triumphant over the wild 5 2 4, everybody. Wow, 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 wow. What about this bank collapse? President Joe Biden plans to address the American people this morning about his administration's emergency response to the failure of two banks over the past few days. This comes after tech lender Silicon Valley Bank collapsed Friday in the second largest failure of A financial institution in the U.S. history, they had $170 billion, $170 billion, 151 of which, $151 billion. Were not insured. This federal government, though, has stepped in to make everything right for everybody. Uh, the Biden administration yesterday guaranteed that those impacted by the collapse of this bank will get their money back starting today. In a related action, the government shut down Signature Bank, which was teetering on the bank on the brink of collapse in recent days. Wall Street investors were relieved by the intervention after markets tumbled late last week. One Wonder, wonders why we can't do that for students. But I digress. Residents in storm-battered California are bracing for another atmospheric river event on Monday, with many areas still flooded from heavy rains last week that caused extensive damage and at least two fatalities. It's the 11th such river event to hit the United States West, the Western United States, this winter weather season. Oil drilling. President Biden is also expected to announce a sweeping new set of protections for federal lands and waters in Alaska. How many of you watched the Oscars last night? It was an historic night. Um, Indeed, the 65th annual awards were presented last night in L.A., um, and you saw Michelle Yeoh, journeywoman actress, brilliant actress, who was presented the Oscar by Halle Berry. They are the only two women of color to win Best Best uh, Leading Actress in the Best Leading Actress category. Blessings to her. She's been at it a long time. Her co-stars and Jamie Lynn and Jamie Lee Curtis, daughter of uh, Tony Curtis. That's right. Took home the Best Supporting Actor and actress Trophies, respectively. And it was quite a night, quite a night, a historic night, in which you saw the Asian community Um Come forward and God bless them. They certainly are deserving. And those are just some of the headlines on The Santita Jackson Show. But we have got one of my personal favorites, indeed one of yours, uh, our gospel sister, Pam Morris Walton. What is she going to be talking to us about? One day we're going to get her on here to talk about this wonderful book. You know, she is a heart transplant recipient. Cannot wait to hear from her talk about her book, 57 Days, Wait for a New Heart. The anointed, the blessed, who always blesses so many people. Every time she says, I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Pam Morris Walton, how are you doing today?
3: I am wonderful, and you are right. I do love you, and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. Good morning, Santita. (laughs) Good good morning, morning, everybody. Good morning. We are going to talk today briefly about words heal. Three three words. Words can heal. So when I say that to all of our wonderful uh St. Peter's wonderful audience, remember to watch your words. Mm. Using these words and phrases can increase your chance for success and your chance for happiness. Words can heal. I am special. Say it often. I am unique. I feel good about myself. I keep my commitment. I am beautiful. I have a purpose. I am significant and needed. I am loved. I am responsible, and I am strong. I'm willing to learn. I expect great things to happen. Positive words affect your health, reduce stress, and create peace of mind. And I've got to say that one more time. Positive words affect your health. I know about health. Reduce your stress. And create peace of mind. You attract into your life what you radiate. What you think. What you say. What you give. And love. Words can heal. That's it. Have a great day.
2: That's a whole lot. We focus on the fact that words hurt. But you know. Yeah. Guess what everybody
0: mm-hmm.
2: words absolutely heal. let me ask you this because you know when you say that words heal i 've seen a lot of people mm-hmm. um, as they are maybe they 're maybe they 're conscious that they 're transitioning, maybe not, but it seems that people want to make things right just before they get out of here. you know when you upon reflection when I think about the people i 've known who have make their transitions. I've gotten a phone call from them or I've seen them and they've done something that indicated to me that they were trying to, if you will, make things right. And they would and they always say something healing. Even if you've had the the most disagreeable of relationships, they become much more gentle. Have you noticed that? It just seems that people want to make things right and they don't want to be Unloving and unkind. When Reverend Evans' eldest child, Diane, was making her transition, I went, flew in, I lived in New York at the time, and I flew in to see her because I'd known Diane all my life. Mm -hmm. And she was holding my hand and she said, Just speak words of love. Just remember, you you Mm. gotta love. Everybody, she said, maybe just because she called me Dumples. (laughs) She said, Dumples, remember, Mm -hmm. just love.
3: Beautiful.
2: No matter what people do to you, just love.
3: Love. So let me tell you this, Santita. Mm-hmm. Health challenges, more time, health challenges will take you there. Mm. That's what I have to say. Health challenges will take you there. You will make calls, you will do things, you will write, you will do a number of things that you never thought in your lifetime you would do. But health challenges, whatever they might be, will take you there.
2: Is it because you become aware of your mortality? What is it? Is it because of physical pain?
3: You you woke up. Mm -hmm. You woke up to the fact that uh, you're seeing things differently. You've not been there before. You have not been there before. You've been fine. You've been all right. You've just lived life and enjoyed things. But now something else has come in. That's what I'm telling people about dementia, when they're, they're going through that. A lot of people in and, and their families are going through that. And I, and they say, I'm tired. I'm sick, Pam. But I, just, I say, honey, it's not them. It's the health challenge. It's the disease. It's something that has taken over and taken charge. So when I say what I say, I'll take it back to this. When people do that, sometimes they know they're feeling something within, and say, "I got to get this thing right. I got to, I got to, I got to do this." Because see, I don't know my. None of us know our time. None of us know our time. Yesterday, I'll say this quickly to you. Yesterday, I was leaving from church with my husband, and 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 we stopped, and we always go straight up twenty second Street, and all of a sudden the road is blocked. And the road is blocked, so we can't get where we're going to eat. We can't get where we're going. So yes, the council, the reservation. we stop somewhere else. We're looking out the window, and we're going like, "What is going on? Guess what? They had an accident, and it was fatal. They shut the whole street down for hours, for hours, not one hour, not two hours, not three hours. We don't ever know. Some people do know they they're experiencing health challenges. That person that had that accident, they, they woke up that morning. They there's no way in the world that I believe they thought that they were going to die yesterday. We couldn't even get home for an hour and a half because they blocked the streets, but yet when people are in their last days, Or something similar to that, and they know that. There's something that comes over you. They make phone calls, they do things different, they get it right. That's it. I love you.
2: I love you. I just wish we'd get it right before that time. Boy, life could be so much more pleasant if we could just be kind to each other. It would just.
3: In, In a world where you can be anything.
2: Be kind. Ooh. Every Okay.
3: Every <laughs> In a okay, world you got it
2: one. I love you. No, no, no. I ask you. I ask you. In a world when you can be anything, everybody, be kind. I've got to give you the credit for that. In a world when you can be anything, be kind. Which is why I try to conduct things on this show the way that I do. Here on WCPT eight twenty, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station at an AM nine fifty radio with the voice of Progressive Minnesota. You know, we can be anything. Go, girl. It's go. nice to be nice, though. My pastor Reverend Clay Evans yeah, used to that. say that. And in a world when you can be anything, choose kindness. Yeah. Just it's your choice. It's your choice. Mm-hmm. Just be kind. Just be kind. Be kind. I love you, Pam Morris Walton. Everybody, the author of the book, 57 you. Days Wait for a New Heart. 57 Days Wait for a New Heart.
3: It's a spiritual days. journey of truth and of love and faith. The full mm. title, The Wait for a New Heart, sparks a spiritual journey of faith and love.
2: Very quickly, how did that change you? Oh, my God. When, you, when they told oh you you God. needed a new heart, what happened?
3: I didn't know I, I didn't know what they were talking about. I didn't know I was that bad off. I didn't know something had happened to me. It got me. It took I was spellbound. I was spellbound. I'm going like what? I asked them to leave the new room. I asked I asked the doctors to leave the room. And I just looked at my husband and Frank said, I'm with you. That's a true story. And then it goes on from there. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, you got to come on and talk about it, because I can only yeah. imagine. You know, the older yeah. you get, when yeah. you have to wait, yeah. you know, you, you expect, you expect a great report from yeah. your doctor. But sometimes they can take too long to get back to that examination room, and you have to go, wait a minute, what's going on? Yeah. Wait, hold on, wait a minute. Think yeah. about that, everybody. Not a stent. Not, not a
3: pacemaker, but a heart. And to get a heart, somebody has to die, Santita. Somebody has to die for you to get a heart. Oh, boy.
2: Bye. I love you. I love you. I love you. Think about that, okay. everybody. In a world when you can be anything, be kind. All those blessings you put out there came back to you on that day, and your work wasn't done, moreover. Yeah. So that's that's okay. what that is. Dance
3: at life. He gave me a second chance. but He he wanted me to stay here for some reason. (laughs) I guess I was to be with you.
2: (laughs) Me and everybody else, and and I want to thank you for that.
3: I'm happy. Thank you. I wrote my story that I live 57 days in the hospital, 57 days. I'm a miracle because the heart came in 27 days. Okay, I'm going to stop. You've got to go on with your program.
2: No, that's a lot. I just you know, sometimes you yes, just have yes. to—you have to go with spirit, really, always.
3: Yes, yeah. And I, it yes, just yes, hit yes, me yes,
2: today yes. because I have lost over the past year, three, three year and a half, three foundational friends. I mean, people who you call and say, "Can you believe this?" I mean, the people who know you so intimately. I've got to go to a funeral in South Carolina on Wednesday, and um, I miss my How friends.
3: Oh,
2: thank you but i miss them okay. really
3: yeah.
2: these i don't have that many people no one does but i really in my lifetime mm-hmm. i've never really mm-hmm. had anyone i could trust and these are three of the most trusted friends in my life and they are mm-hmm. now with the with the lord mm-hmm. and um yeah. it's you know it's been hard cuz i said wow i used to talk to you i said well maybe god's giving me new training cuz now i have to talk to god much more <laughs> <laughs> much, much more.
3: So <laughs> <Yeah, but laughs> you can live on those fond memories, uh, Sandita. Mm-hmm. Oh, I do. I, no, no. I know. No I know they're done. Yeah. They'll come to you in the spirit. They'll come to you in the spirit because that's what yes. I do. She comes oh, to me yeah. in the spirit world. It's real.
2: I believe it. And you know, and, oh, and I believe, and their work is done. And you know, when yes, your work yes. is done, that's it. I get it. Yes, it is. <laughs> oh boy. I just I, when I when I woke up from my surgery I said, Okay, clearly I've got something else to do. Yeah. Okay.
3: Look at this. look at I,
2: you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Two two of them because we thought I had congestive heart failure. That was before I had my weight loss surgery. And so I said, Ah oh, well, okay, clearly I have something else to do. I, okay. So let me, Lord, just guide me and let me be about the business of that. So, I mean, this is not wasted time, uh, Pam Morris Walton. I just, you know, we talk about health in this moment, but the fact is you had uh, the health challenge of a lifetime. You needed a new heart. How many of us have to face that? And I remember seeing you and your husband as you got off that plane. And all I could do at Midway Airport, as because we, we were at the last terminal, if you recall, And we had a long way to walk, all the way at the end. end. And all I could do was drop back and pray because I saw you determined. I saw you. I saw you. You were determined. And I said, oh, boy, God, just bless her and just carry her. And look at you now. No one would ever know you had a... (laughs) You got a heart transplant, my Lord, my Lord. But, you know, I want you to come on, you, and we're going to just have a conversation about that yeah. because I okay. repeat, okay. so many of us. Okay are afraid to be donors and black people in particular have been so abused Mm -hmm. in in slavery. You know, we were medical experiments. We were the subject of medical experiments and it never stopped. There's something called the Mississippi appendectomy. Black women would go in for routine exams and they would be sterilized. And um, it happened so routinely. It happened to Fannie Lou Hamer. It was called the Mississippi appendectomy. So we've been sterilized. We have been abused. And when we Feel pain, uh, the medical establishment still does not believe that we feel pain to the extent that we do. Mm-hmm.
3: So, mm-hmm.
2: we have to talk about donat- donating and being a donor. Um, we have to talk about those things because, um, yeah, you know, our fears need to be allayed. I'm delayed. a living
3: witness. I'm a living yeah. witness. I'm a living mm-hmm. witness that a donor works. I'm a mm-hmm. living witness. Look at me. Hear me. I am a living witness. Yes, I am. It may not be a lot of them, but things have changed. Some things have changed. My donor saved seven lives. I got the heart. Okay. All right. All right. You've got to go on with your program. Go no,
2: ahead, No, we are. No, but I think a lot of people, Dave just said that his father lived with uh, congestive heart failure and died in his 90s, but he lived with it for decades. You know it was painful. And people are sending yeah. you much love today, a lot of them. Yeah. And. Um, yeah. I just want you to know that a lot of people love you, and, and your testimony has been powerful and healing for people today. So thank you for that. Thanks. Laura Bell says, thank glory, you. hallelujah, yes. Jewel thank says, you. amen, thank and amen, and amen. Everybody, get the book. Amen. Get the book, 57 days. days, Wait for a New Heart. You need to do that. Get it. Get it. Go to, Let's get go it, go it so that Amazon we can talk
3: about it. Go to and get it. That's go where? Right. Go to Amazon. Just get it. Go Amazon. to Amazon.com. Or go to Amazon, yeah? And get okay. It.
2: Okay. Get all the right. book, everybody. Get the book. Get the book. Get the book. <laughs> I love you, Pam Morris Walton, and I love, I love you. you and, and your, your husband. Safe Blessings you, to you.
3: Safe travels to where you have to go. Safe travels, and God be with you, and we'll see you when you get back. Okay, sweetheart?
2: Yes, ma'am. Love you all so my, much. You, love you. Everybody, let's talk about this mayoral race. Let's talk about it. That was time well spent, I believe. My apologies to Dr. Shanina Knighton. But, um, you know, many of us could be donors, but we're reluctant. And we're going to talk that through because you have every right to have every reservation, given how we have been treated. And you see the contempt with which all people are held. Look at what's happening to the people in East Palestine, Ohio. Think about that. These are white working class people, many of whom are poor. They're not being treated with any love and respect. it's not just a color thing. It's a kind thing. It's not your color. It's your kind. What kind of person are you? And in a world when you could be anything, be kind. Or as Otis Redding said, try a little tenderness. I'll be back with more of the Santita Jackson show. Let's talk about this mayoral race. Call us at 773-763-9278, 773-763-WCPT. Who you got in this race? Vallis and Johnson, the race is getting real tight. Let's talk about it on the Santita Jackson Show.
0: We can change the world, change the world, change the world. Oh, yes, can. We can change the world, we can change the world, change the world.
1: This is the Santita Jackson Show.
2: everybody. Welcome back to this Antieta Jackson Show. In the next hour, we're going to have Commissioner Brandon Johnson as we had uh, Mr. Paul Vallis on Friday, who will be the mayor? Who you got? It turns out that Paul Vallis and Commissioner Brandon Johnson are closing. Uh, the gap is closing. Brandon Johnson is gaining in this race. Why do you think that is? I want you to call me at 773 763 9278. One of our guests, Xavier Nogueras, who I have known since he was a kid. Well, I was a young adult, but he was a teenager working on Reference Campaign.
0: Woo, my
2: goodness. <laughs> Oh, my yeah. gosh. And I just, oh, boy, bless his heart, ran for delegate and all of that. He was 17, about to turn 18. One of our true, 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 true soldiers. I'm so glad that he's with us today with this ma- magnificent panel. But he's leading us today as he has been asserting, look, you've got to have high black voter turnout no matter what. There is just a lot that we have got to really tease out if you want Brandon Johnson to win. And there's a stark choice in this race, really, uh, corporatism, populism. It really comes down to it. So I want you to call me at 773-763-9278, 773-763-WCPT. And let's talk about this today on the Santita Jackson Show. Uh, but First up, Chaparral, what's going on? Can we get some food from you?
4: Absolutely, Santita. Yes, there's
3: celebrations by us. We are your one-stop party connection. And we are still serving food. So please give us a call at seven zero eight five two six four five four six. We are currently booking for your prom celebrations. That includes your sweet tables, your balloon arches, your custom banners, as well as also your name tables. So call us at 708-526-4546, 708-526-4546. We look forward to serving you. Thank you so much, Santita.
2: Blessings to you. All right, everybody, let's get right to it. Who do you have for mayor? I want you to call me at 773-763-9278, 773-763-WCPT. Who do you think is going to win? Uh, joining us today, of course, Attorney Erin Connolly, part of the family here, brilliant political strategist and organizer and activist. And we have got... Uh, of course, Reverend Jeanette Wilson from Rainbow Push, uh, the director of the excuse me of the Push Excel program, and the pastor of the Maple Park United Methodist Church. And um, we're going to have Dwight McKee shortly, but uh, we also have someone who I have known as I as he was really kind of pricking my consciousness. Uh, we've got Reverend Stephen Thurston from New Covenant Baptist Church. Of course, I heard him preach yesterday, and he was fantastic, fantastic. And it was so wonderful to see him in that home church. That uh, pulpit is 88 years of age and going on 100 years. And they have just, the Thurston's have been such a blessing to us down through the years. His father was president of the Progressive Baptist Convention. We have three major religious conventions in uh, in black in the black church. And they roughly have about 2.3, 2.5 million members apiece. And Reverend Stephen Thurston, his father, was the president of one of them, the Progressive Baptist Convention, which really came into being uh, in response to the uh, Civil Rights Movement. Because when Dr. King became very active in the Civil Rights Movement, um, the National Baptists really wanted him out. Oh, but that's another story. <laughs> but we, I want to begin things today with Xavier Negueras. He is the president of the Boca Media Group, but it really, it's, it goes much, 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 much further. I had to be reminded that he was one of these very, very young people. He wasn't even 18 when he was traveling around the country trying to get people to vote for Reverend Jesse Jackson, getting young people registered to vote, and um, and even running as the youngest delegate, no one had ever seen a 17-year-old run to become a delegate to the, to the National Convention. But he said, I will be 18, and I am going to run. And he has gone on to build this magnificent media career, Our Reverend Wilson and Aaron and Dwight and Reverend Thurston. And I wanted to start things off with him today because, of course, you know, four years ago, we were all supporting Chewy Garcia. And we were waiting to figure out if he was going to run, is he going to run and you know it came in real late to the race, I think that was to his detriment, but he's still serving in Congress, and we're so glad about that of course uh Congressman Garcia was one of the has been one of the pillars of the progressive movement because I remember him from in our presidential campaign as well and i don't want I don't want people to forget that because people were questioning his his bona fides as a as a progressive, and that was not fair, and it was untrue, untrue. But, Xavier, you have been working with Brandon Johnson, Commissioner Brandon Johnson, and one of the things that you have been talking about is the importance of turnout, and you know from your experience, well, I mean, kind of transfer your experience with the Jackson campaigns to this one, because many people don't know that Reverend didn't get millions of votes from inside the party he brought he registered people and brought them to the party which and you were part of that effort
5: yeah uh,
6: you know i i remember uh, uh hard to remember i mean it was, it was such a while back and, and by the way it was just awesome yesterday when we reconnected
0: and yes. all those
6: memories flowed but <laughs> you know it's interesting because you know uh, there's sort of like these mixed feelings about like you, you, we talk about like for example the Hill washington times and and, and, and those times, and, and then you have folks saying, oh, well, that was the past, and we have to talk about, you know, what's happening now and the new. But, you know, it really is happening again. And I think those who are kind of the detractors of that is more because they're kind of scared of what can happen, and you're seeing it happen now. Um, I do want to clarify something, though. I, I'm not – I am actually here. Uh, I'm a political consultant. I own Volca mm-hmm. media group. We're well, one of the big uh political uh, uh media firms um been trying to elect progressive candidates for th- for the past fifteen years I'm not on on Brandon's team we're not I'm not working on any Mario sure. campaign so i I kind of come here you know looking at both kind of fairly but when I say fairly the truth is uh, uh the media hasn't been fair to Brandon and we say all that? that he's been able to well you know I, I it's it's a lot of this is about like People build perceptions, right? And they build perceptions when they look at polling. If you look at where Brandon was in the beginning, you would think he didn't have a shot, right? Mm-hmm. And if you hear the media, uh, they would think Brandon was dead in the water from the beginning. And yet, look at where he's at. And part of the problem here is that I, look, as, a, as a political consultant, I, I believe in polling. I also understand where polling can go wrong. And where polling can go wrong is, for example, especially when you – When you look at, like, youth voter, when you look at young voters, when you look at the fact that, like, Chicago isn't just, like, black, white, Hispanic, you know, there's Asian, there's Muslim, Um, when you look at the white vote, um, it isn't a white vote, right? You have Northwest voters that are more conservative, you have lakefront uh, uh, voters, you have uh, white women with, with higher income who you would think would be a little more conservative, but if you mess with their ideal of choice, then they turn on you, right? I mentioned <laughs> that because we're going to come back and talk about that, right? How a lot of uh, uh, white women in the lakefront with upper income, um, you would think they're going to go with ballots. And they're beginning, some of them maybe supported ballots are turning on them now. They're beginning to see that Brandon uh, is is a, 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 a candidate uh, that is really true to his values. Um, and so a lot of these things sometimes are hard to see when you're polling folks. Um, and so you have to, you have to really look at the different coalitions that are being put together um, because that's what really uh, uh, Chicago is about. Right.
2: Mm. I want you to call me at 773-763-9278, 773-763-WCPT. What do you, I mean, you've seen at the big, well, just you're right. In the beginning, no one gave Brandon Johnson a shot. But he has continued to grow um, week after week after week, because people were surprised to see him become a top-tier candidate, a contender. And then, whew, now it's him and Vallis. And then they said, well, Vallis has this huge lead, and it appeared not insurmountable, but certainly a big one. But uh, the polls are now showing the lead uh, has been shrinking. What is going on?
6: Uh, You know, Dallas at the end of the day yes he solidified his base and that, and and the base is a certain number and, it, and it's big right that northwest side a conservative uh, a white democrat southwest side but at the end of the day there's a ceiling there what so if you look at it you know you you see Dallas who who was able to leverage um and, and by the way when the when the when the numbers came, first came in Dallas was at about 34 Brandon was at about 20, Brandon's lead now has grown to about 22, and Dallas is now at about 32 point something after the the, the uh, early vote came in, right? So even that lead uh, 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 shrunk. But th- Dallas has a ceiling. Brandon, on the other hand, has a potential of gaining the unification, right, of the black vote. He has a potential of, you know, uh, uh, younger Hispanics. He has a potential of you know, really being a, a, a different choice. Again, I keep on mentioning white women in the lakefront, right? So that, that vote was split. And so, yeah, Valdez did get 33%, but he didn't get 50%, right? He, he, he mm-hmm. needs another 18% to get there. And, and Johnson has a larger ceiling, right? And I think that's what we're beginning to see. and, and, and that undecided voters, um, a lot of them are Latino. A lot of them are, again, uh, white women on the lakefront. Um, and as the black vote consolidates, you're going to see a lot of that feeling just, they're not going to look at Vallis as the choice. Um, and I got to tell you, Brandon has ran such a smart campaign um, in really letting folks know who Vallis is. You know, you're talking about a candidate who you know, wants to try to claim that he's Democrat. And yet, you know, four years ago was really proud of, you know, was really proud of the endorsement he got from the Chicago GOP, right? Uh, those tweets are coming out now. And, Val- and and Brandon is doing a really good job at, at like, kind of telling the truth. Um, but then you got that other story of these young elected officials, a lot of them Latino, by the way, Mm-hmm. on Chicago's north side who delivered I'm looking at this map. I wish you could see this map. I'm looking at this map of like you would never think you would see this. Like you look at the north side and it's like, yeah, it's it's half blue for Vallis, but it's half red for for Brandon. Like you see them I'm, I'm looking at this map, he won the first ward, the twenty sixth ward, a predominantly Latino Puerto Rican, the thirty fifth ward, a mixed Latino, thirty third ward. He won the forty seventh, the forty sixth, the forty eighth, the fortieth, the 49th. I'm not talking about South Side wards. All these wards I mentioned are North Side wards. You look at—I'm looking at this map of all these wards that Lightfoot won, and Brandon's going to win these wards, and you start to see that potential. And I think the the, the media has been, you know, pretty—I don't want to say dishonest, but I, I really don't think like I think they see that percentage. That ballots had, but they didn't. They're not looking at the potential, and now we're beginning to see that that growth.
2: Mm. Xavier Noguera, I'm so proud of you, and you've just become this not just a media giant, but just a real political expert. Let me go to you, um, Reverend Stephen Thurston. Some people we've not really heard uh, enough from. Reverend Thurston, what do you see?
7: Well, I'm hearing uh, a one-trick pony when it comes to Dallas, Of course, we know that crime is an issue and and the whole tough on crime language is all I'm hearing from him. When I look at Brandon, I'm hearing him deal with diverse issues that plague our city and specific plans that he's producing and presenting to make it happen. Uh, I think Brandon could do a little bit better job, however, as it relates to pushing back against the tough on crime, um, positioning that Dallas is taking. When you really dig into what's happening in the city of Chicago, you'll discover that we've got one of the lowest clearance rates as it relates to homicides in the country, around 45%. But then when you peel that layer back deeper, 21% of homicides are solved in black communities, hmm. 45% are solved in white communities. So we got a $1.7 billion budget, but we got the lowest clearance rate in the country. What are we really talking about? What are we playing, paying police to do? Our communities are over-policed yet underprotected and underserved. You got personnel has decreased by five percent in the past five years uh, in the police department in Chicago. Fifty percent of the homicides and eighty-five to ninety percent of, of non-fatal shootings go unsolved. Yet the department's budget continues to increase. What are we talking about? And so I think Brandon could do a little bit better job of exposing this data because data doesn't lie. The data and these fact points as it relates to this tough on crime agenda that Ballard seemingly is only pushing because we're not hearing any other of the issues. And the root cause being dealt with by his campaign strategy.
2: Wow. I mean, now, Aaron, I think that that would be the brilliant way to present this, to push back on the... The defund the police argument uh, label they, they they try to put on him uh, that were that the black community are in particular over overpoliced, underprotected, underserved, and you don't solve the murders in our community, Erin Connolly.
8: Well, and the reality is for folks when when I'm at the doors, which I am <laughs> still, um, I hear that folks are are, are more focused on hey, if something does happen, why am I waiting an hour to talk to an officer? If something serious happened, why am I waiting weeks to follow up with a detective? And why am I calling over and over again? Why can't I get help from the alderman's office? Why is it so hard to have a real public safety system that's serving our residents, right? And so when we look at the data, and I'm I'm, I'm glad we're talking about it in that way because it's important. So over 30% of the calls to police are mental health or domestic violence incidents, which police aren't really trained to to deal with in the same way as, let's say, a social worker clinician-type system, right? So I think when we talk about defunding, we have to talk about how we made the choice 10 years ago to defund our mental health care system in the city of Chicago, how we closed schools and reduced community centers where, where people had support. Okay, so, so when we're talking about defunding, let's t- let's start with that conversation about the defunding of our mental health care. When we're talking about public safety funding, right, nobody's trying to defund the police here. That's a talking point. That's a cheap talking point. We saw it on, you know, yard signs with, with no accountability in the November election accusing candidates of the same nonsense. That's not the reality. What, what, what we're talking about is funding a public safety system, including the police, that has accountability for officers, that has support for officers that allows a budget that can empower our system to, to serve our residents in a better way. That means having a treatment, not trauma portion of our public safety program that allows police officers to respond better to the calls that they're trained for properly, right? So, so it's, a, it's a comprehensive overhaul. It's not, it's not a list of, of sharp little talking point jabs. And Brandon Johnson understands that. And I think when we hear from him in the debate, what we heard this week, when his volunteers, which are very, very many, are on the doors knocking and talking to Chicagoans and spending time answering these these questions, I think he's going to be able to make the effective argument that this is a, this is a big picture thing. Chicagoans are smart. They understand this. Right. The, the, the rhetoric coming out of the ballot the campaign is written by the Fraternal Order of Police and probably sanctioned by, as uh, your other panelists mentioned, uh, uh, the Republican Party. And that's not, that's not what Chicago is about. So I think when we look at that 33% number for, for Vallis, I absolutely agree that, that that's, that, level, um, around that area is his ceiling. And Brandon does have a real opportunity to build on the coalitions that, that he, he's had at the county level as an organizer. And anybody that heard, has heard him speak, um, at any event or, um, has talked to him about the Cook County budget, knows that he's a serious candidate, that he really understands the impact of these decisions of government on the people, that he cares, that he cares to get things done, and he's willing to listen to feedback, right? He knows that there's certain things he might, he might need to hear from experts on, and he takes that in as a, as a true organizer and leader, He's a real leader. And I, and I think that that is starting to really come through to people. And I absolutely agree with you that the mainstream local media is not necessarily focusing on, on some of these positives for Brandon and the impact of his grassroots campaign.
2: Well, you know, he's not doesn't work for corporations, so he's not the corporate choice. And our media are the corporate media. <laughs> That's what they do. Let me I want to get about a minute and a half for you. Uh uh, Reverend Jeanette Wilson. We'll get more on the other side, and of course, Dwight McKee is now with us. Reverend Wilson, your thoughts about what you about what you see? This ABC poll shows the race tightening. Forty four point nine percent of the respondents said they will vote for Ballas, but thirty nine point one percent say they will vote for Johnson, and it, and these polls continue to see uh, this race tighten. Well.
4: I- more and more people are beginning to see that they have to do something. You know, everybody talks about the Harold Washington uh, race. What they forget is people decided that they were going to elect Harold Washington. And so you saw preachers turning out, you saw teachers turning out, you saw students turning out, you saw just across the city there was this energy. People decided we're going to take our city and we're going to give it to someone that we trust, we believe, that will take us to the next level. And I be, I'm beginning to see that kind of energy around Brandon Johnson. You know, he can not he's not Superman. He can't be everywhere all at the same time. But we can be everywhere because we are everywhere. And we have to decide. Women have to decide. I know there's a women's press conference tomorrow, Tuesday. At 9 a.m. in support of Brandon Johnson. So when you begin to see lawyers for Brandon, teachers for Brandon, architects for Brandon, real estate brokers for Brandon, contractors for Brandon, when you begin to see, and I think this week is going to be a real lightning uh, as we pr- uh, prepare to approach the uh, the early voting, you're going to see souls to the polls on March 20th, churches across the city are taking people to vote, not telling them that they have to vote for Brandon. But when you see that level of energy on the street, people know what to do once they get there. You got to get them there. And so our goal is turning out students, turning out uh, Homeowners, Everybody on every block saying, where are you going? I'm going to vote. I'm going to vote. March 20th is the kickoff. This weather is crazy. So you're not, you need to vote early so you don't have any issues on Election Day, April 4th. So on, le- on April 5th, we're going to celebrate. Brandon will be the next mayor of the city of Chicago.
2: And then we've got to get to work so we can... It really helped to advocate for ourselves and push him to do what it is that we send him there to do. Remember, voting is oh, the end of the beginning, vote. not the beginning of the end. Well, I mean, and, and the thing is, it's you still love him. You still love whomever you have, whoever gets in there. Okay. But the fact is, Absolutely. the way the system works, it works when you work it. Because the people who did not support him still need him because he will be the mayor. So just understand that's how the
4: system works. Yeah, and people are going to be lobbying every time that city council meets, every day he goes to office. We have to push our agenda. Mm-hmm. So I agree Always. with you. We're going to work hard to get him in, going to work hard to keep him in, and work hard to make sure that he does what we need him to do for us. That's, that's what that's we have do. not done in prior elections.
2: Well, you know, but that's because we didn't understand the system. And we, you know, we keep we making it, it a date. Well, yeah, that's right. But we it's, we act like it's a date and not a destination. Dwight McKee, we're going to hear, get your analysis on the other side. But We're talking with this wonderful panel. Uh, I'm so proud of Xavier Nogueras. I just have to say that because <laughs> knew him when he was, but a boy. Oh my gosh, working on the Jackson campaign. I mean, look, he was 17. He was a baby, traveling, like Ray Lewis Thornton four years before him. I mean, goodness gracious, but he was younger and couldn't vote yet, but said, look, we got to we got to get this man. We can make him president. And that was just and now he's the head of the Boca Media Group and he just ge- has given us such brilliant analysis. Reverend Stephen Thurston from the New Covenant Baptist Church, giving us a lot of insight on this murder clearance rate. I want you to give us that again when we get on the other side, Reverend Thurston, because that's a talking point for Commissioner uh, Johnson. That is it you encapsulated it to me brilliantly. <laughs> you know, we're over policed, underprotected, and underserved. We gotta talk about that, Aaron Connolly. We've got to talk about that about that Dwight McKee and Reverend Jeanette Wilson. Back with more for the Santita Jackson show and Johnson. Just-
1: This is the Santita Jackson Show.
2: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show. It is Monday, March 13th, 2023. We are heading into this mayoral election. It's just a couple of weeks. Well, actually, about three weeks away. And... Are you voting? Have you voted? This race is closing, everybody, according to the latest ABC7 poll. It's Vallas 44%, but it's Brandon thirty—Brandon Johnson 39%. He'll be with us at the bottom of the hour uh, talking about that and really explaining defund the police and taxes and all of that, all of the questions that people have about him. And um, according, according to Xavier Nagaras from the Boca Media Group, the misrepresentations that the corporate media have made of him. its He's had a steeper climb, and yet he is gaining, gaining, gaining. So let's call me at 773-763-9278. Got to tell you, um, we're going to have to move, free up those two lines at the bottom, so we're going to have to move people up uh, uh Uh, because we have got the the commissioner is actually going to call in. So we're going to do that. I don't know who you're going to have to move, but we're going to have to do that. So call us at 773-763-9278, 773-763-WCPT. Let's get to some of these headlines. 34 degrees, snow showers today here in Chicago. It just continues to snow. 28 degrees, mostly sunny in Minneapolis, St. Paul. In the NBA, well, the... The Bulls have had the night off, and they'll have the night off tonight. And the Timberwolves, though, will be playing the Hawks. In the NHL, the Coyotes 5, the Wild 4. The Chicago's team had the time off. The 95th Academy Awards were presented on Sunday in Los Angeles. Historic wins for the movie. Everything, everywhere, all at once in it. Especially Historic Night for our brothers and sisters in the Asian community. God bless them. Michelle Yeoh, one of the finest actresses out there, everybody, who uh, had her Oscar presented to her. She won first, uh, first actress of Asian descent to win this award bless her heart she won for best actress in a leading role making her the first woman of Asian descent to win an Oscar in that particular category and of course she was presented the award by none other than Halle Berry first black woman to win the leading role best actress Oscar in that category and it was quite the night for that entire film and um, indeed you remember the little boy used to act with uh, Harrison Ford he won an Oscar I'm so proud of him I don't know what to do just love it love it love it everybody Brendan Fraser won his Oscar Ruth Carter I've won her Oscar for Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, and CNN's Navalny as the best documentary. Congratulations to everyone, everyone, those who I mentioned and those who I have not mentioned. President Joe Biden plans to address Americans this morning about his administration's emergency response to the failure of two banks, huge banks, over the past five days. A best few days, indeed. This comes after tech lenders Silicon Valley Bank collapsed on Friday. They had one hundred seventy plus billion dollars in deposits. One hundred fifty one billion of them were not insured, everybody. But the Biden administration on Sunday guaranteed that those impacted by the collapse of this bank will get their money Back starting today, they will make it right. In a related action, the government shut down Signature Bank, which was teetering on the bank of, on the brink of collapse in recent days. Gotta watch these banks collapsing. I think there's something to it, everybody. Residents in storm battered California are bracing for another atmospheric event. Here in uh, on Monday, on today, and many areas are still flooded, and they're expecting more flooding today. Wow, it's the eleventh such river event to hit the U.S. West this winter season. Everybody, let us be careful out there, and pray for everybody in the Western United States because that uh, that storm event is moving all across the country. Indeed, many people who've been planting in the South are going to have to find a way to protect those plants because they are about to be hit with. Freezing weather, which will kill a lot of crops. Uh, I'm Santita Jackson, coming to you from the Santita Jackson Show. We've got Reverend Jeanette Wilson from Rainbow Push, Aaron Connolly. Well, we have Attorney Aaron Connolly. We have to share you with with us, you know, covenant strategies, but you know you're Rainbow Push too. And of course, we have got uh, Reverend Stephen Thurston, New Covenant. Baptist Church, brilliant analyst, and of course, Xavier Nagaris from the Boca Media Group, giving us brilliant political insights and analysis, and we've been joined by Dwight McKee. Uh, but before I ask you, Dwight McKee, for your thoughts on this campaign, Stephen, uh, not only did Mr. Nagaris give us brilliant insights, but Stephen, I think, uh, Pastor Stephen Thurston, I think you gave uh, Mr. Nagaris I think that he gave... Uh, uh, Brandon Johnson, Commissioner Johnson, a, a wonderful talking point when people come at him about defund the police, Xavier, you know, you know, yeah.
6: you know yeah, I, yeah, what that do you that, think? Yes. Yeah. You, you know, it's funny because I was as, as your awesome panelists were talking, I'm like, you know, I really hope that Brandon is going to uh, incorporate some of these things into the narrative. There are two things that I heard that really jumped out um, hmm. the whole issue of Vows being a one trick pony. I think that was such an amazing talking point. Please share it with Johnson because that, that is, that is the truth. Um, you know, it's funny, you know, uh, a goes into the neighborhoods where he's good at and, and he talks about, he's going to be so good on crime. But the truth is he's not like the strongest predictor of folks getting back into crime is poverty. And it happens because they, they they don't have housing security. They don't have uh, employment opportunities. They don't have you know support from the community, and and that is what Johnson is talking about. And if I'm in some of these, if I'm in some of these Southwest wards, some of these white uh, 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 white conservative Democratic wards, I would I, I would actually embrace Johnson because I would know that he's at least he's actually has a solution to crime where Paul is just kind of giving them what they want to hear. You know put more police on the street, right? And that's gonna be your solution. And it isn't, and somebody else said something. Somebody said, kept on saying, I forgot her name, and my apologies on the panel said, Chicagoans are smarter, right? Mm-hmm. And this is really where, where, where Johnson is gonna excel because he's, he's treating Chicagoans like they're smarter. Vallis isn't. He, Vallis is assuming that Chicagoans aren't smarter and he's going, again, be this one trick pony and, and there's an actual plan when you talk about crime solutions, uh, um, when you talk about, you know, we're not even talking about, you know, the lack of common sense gun laws. And if you look at, at Vallis's main supporters and the people who are funding him, they don't want these gun laws. They don't want these common sense gun laws. And yet, Paul's supposed to be the person who's going to be tough on crime. And it's false, and that is the false narrative that the media is portraying, but but the good news is, is that Johnson really is breaking through.
2: Mm. Reverend Thurston, before I go to you, Dwight McKee. Yeah,
7: uh, Brandon has to exploit that point and then make some strategic connections with younger people because I think he can gain their voice and their vote much quicker than Wallace can. As a young person, on a Sunday morning, though I'm a pastor, I recognize that the majority of the young people that would be at my church are at rooftop restaurants having brunch. Incorporating things like that into his schedule where he's popping up in those places, galvanizing that young vote, getting that, that young, upwardly mobile uh, African-American who's got a vast network of friends. Connecting with those crews to bring them alongside and hook them in, get them solid as supporters would be another point that he should exploit
2: but you also came up with some real data I mean that's important yeah. because that I because you got to go where the people are there's no question about that because also our our habits on Sunday have changed so much in particular particularly in the post covid world. you talked about us being over policed and what
7: yes, we're over policed and underserved in our community. $1.7 billion budget. If you ever tried to dig into that budget to see where the money goes, you're not going to find it. It's a black hole. You got to pay attention to this rhetoric about more police and more money for police, but the police aren't performing. It's called return on investment. You would not take your personal money and put it into an instrument, and it does not return any value to you. So why do we keep trying to put money into something that if the data is showing us isn't working? There needs to be an overhaul in how we approach policing and what we're doing, as young man just said, to deal with the root cause issues. And Brandon is at least producing plans that sound like they got sense connected to him, and that can make sense <laughs> in the lives of people in our
9: community.
2: <laughs> Dwight McKee, your thoughts.
9: Well, I think that Brandon has one more crusade of inclusion where people see where they fit in his plans. For example, when he talks about more counseling, the counselor is not just for the citizens. The counseling is also for the police themselves. The police has a high suicidal rate than the gangbangers. The gangbangers shoot each other. The policemen shoot themselves. Mm-hmm. And so counseling will be effective not just for the citizens who don't need the police arrest them when they need uh, psychological help. The counseling is also for the police who are more stressed it seems than any other profession who many of them resolve their stress by suicide. When he talks about education he needs to show the Hispanic community how they are at much risk at in terms of Valsh's plan uh, for education, for selective education, uh, as we are in the black community, and a net effect in impacted it on the black community and our children is equally going to be a threat to the Hispanic and some parts of the poor white community. Uh, that same strategy will have the net effect of decapitating education for them, as it did for us. He needs to be able to explain that. He needs, when he talks about um, safety and crime, he needs to be able to interpret where everybody fits in In. in uh that the issue for crime is not just arresting people, black people, and the police being able to um, arrest people in the inner city for their crime issues. is that he has to talk about building safety in as a a total citizen of Involvement, and that he's going to open up the process to all of the citizens. That he, he he will involve Asians in the police department, and 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 the Greek community in the police department, and the Hispanic community in the police department. And there will be no single ethnic group who would dominate fire departments, and city jobs, and police departments that he's going to open up a process. He really needs to run a crusade of inclusion.
2: Mm, do you think that that will, um, Xavier, before I pivot to uh, Attorneys Connolly and uh, and Wilson, do, how do you think that will impact uh, this? You know, people say that the black-brown coalition does not exist. I don't believe that. Uh, they say it's fragile. Well, all coalitions are, but I just think that it can be strengthened over time. What do you think about that?
6: Uh, you know, things go in cycle, right? In life, I, I think what really a lot of the back, black brown coalition, a lot of the 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 future of that is happening now with our younger leaders, right? We have we have mm-hmm. younger elected officials, right, and we we have uh, more progressive elected officials, and you saw that on the north side, like literally the wards that Brandon won, half of them were Latino. Like people keep on saying, well, you know, balance is going to do better in the Latino community. And again, it's this, we we perpetuate this narrative that isn't true because we want it to become true and we have to fight back on it. Look, the latest poll from victory research that showed the mayoral election uh, tightening up showed that there is a virtual tie in the Hispanic community. Part of that is that it, you know, the Hispanic community again is smarter. Like we said, Chicagoans are smarter. And like the Reverend talked about education is so important uh, to the Latino community, my community, I'm Latino. Um, that again, this is not being about, it's not about being a one trick pony. Uh, the Latino community cares about all sorts of things. And yes, crime is up there um, and, 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 it, and, and it's, you know, a top issue. But folks understand that, that that there are other things that, that perpetuate uh, a, a community uh, not growing. Uh, but getting back to the Black-Brown Coalition, um, I think folks are being reintroduced to it. Because, yes, unfortunately, that coalition did, uh, in some part, break apart. But it broke apart because it was really not something that, that uh, corporate America, uh, uh, that folks in power wanted to see happen, and and I think uh, uh, the 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 hope for the Black Bond Coalition is what's happening right now with our younger leaders um, getting together. And you know now that coalition is is even growing now. Like you 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 have you know uh, East Indian and Muslim and other folks. Chicago really is a diverse city, and as that diversity grows. Um, you know, that has a lot to do with why there's a lot of hope uh, for Brandon to become mayor.
2: Mm -hmm. Call us at 773-763-9278. We're going to have Commissioner Brandon Johnson on with us at the bottom of the hour. Reverend Jeanette Wilson, your thoughts?
4: Well, I think that uh, one of the things that we must do For example, Teachers Union uh, supports, has endorsed Brandon. That means every teacher should make sure that every uh, high school senior who is eligible to vote is registered and votes. They don't have to tell them who to vote for. They just need to get them to the polls to vote. They should have an early vote. There should be a day in the city. Where everyone early votes in these schools that will and same thing with the city colleges they should have the opportunity to early vote push it throughout the system young people will vote the right way if they are encouraged to vote and they understand College tuition rates are set, state college tuition rates are set by elected officials. They if they understand everything that they're doing, the lack of technology in their buildings, the absence of teaching robotics and STEM classes. That's a funding issue. That's a, a commitment that the school system has to make, that every child has access to a high-quality public education. And so we need to begin to educate people on why voting now is so significant. And here you are, here you have for the first time a teacher running for mayor. This this is this is an unprecedented opportunity for students, educators to uh, turn out in great numbers. I do believe that uh, there will be a coalition of people voting. I don't think the black-brown coalition has dissolved into uh, the abyss. I do believe that there will be some significant partnerships. I look at Slim, uh, uh, Slim Coleman and Emma Lozano's daughter. She's organized young people. They meet every Sunday. There's a powerful move across the city of young leaders. And as young America wakes up and all America votes, votes their strength, we will see a transformation in this election like we've not seen before. Mm-hmm. But it takes everyone. It takes mothers. It takes fathers. It takes women. People that are sitting in county jail waiting trial. They have to go and vote. Don't let this opportunity pass you. And we have to begin to just do civic education everywhere all the time. Mm-hmm. I wish they could vote in, 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 the, in the uh In these fast food restaurants where people get most of their meals, we gotta make voting as easy as possible, as accessible as possible.
2: If they wanted to, if they if they wanted to to make it easier, they would. Dwight.
9: In addition to that, though, you don't have to be dependent on just the Hispanic uh, Black coalition. There are seventy ethnic groups, seventy-seven ethnic groups in this town. And all of them have a self-interest, and he needs to reach out to those groups and find out what their self-interest is. That's why I say you have to run a campaign of inclusion, Mm -hmm. because many of them have been left out of the process over the years, as we have been. Is this has been a one-ethnic town for the last hundred years, where one-ethnic group has dominated everything in social service has totally dominated the police department. If you saw the parade last week, and the funeral last week, is all the police who showed up, most of the police that showed up for that funeral, or who showed up for that parade, lived right up the street, in that one neighborhood. When there's a whole city full of ethnic groups that have been left out of the political process, that you can reach out to and bring them in. Uh, i I think when you talk about a, a hispanic black coalition, I think that's essential, but it's limiting. I think he has capacity to reach out to the whole city uh and all of them have an interest to be involved in in the both the commerce and the service of the 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 city itself the total city
2: Aaron I've got one minute it belongs to you. Well,
8: I'm out on the doors with um, the Lori Torres witt campaign in the 36th ward, which is going into a runoff. Who is endorsed and supports Brandon Johnson, and so we're talking to voters about Brandon. And uh, the more we talk, the more excited they are. And I think you know when we look at the numbers, when we look at this, the the state of the race he has the momentum and that's what this is this uh this political business is all about who has the momentum going into the the big day and as we know ele- election day isn't just a day anymore we have a whole early voting period where the news cycle impacts that and so he can start to take advantage of that turnout momentum immediately almost right so we we, we look at folks being able to to vote early and um i think brandon has the turnout game and the, the grassroots support. These are amazing teachers, educators, parents. It's a it's a broad coalition, and I think he's already reached out to every cross section of that city. And I see it represented in his volunteers and his team. And it's really great to see.
2: I want you all to stay here because I want you to express your support to Brandon Johnson. These campaigns are very difficult, as you know, Xavier, as you know, Reverend Wilson, as as we all know. I mean, you you know that. And it means so much for people to hear how you feel. And, of course, Renee's going to be at the front of the line because Brandon has been her guy from day one. We're going to be speaking, speaking with Commissioner Brandon Johnson about uh, just about this campaign. And, uh, you know, I want you all to give him, within a minute, just you'll have a one-on-one with him. Give him some advice. <clears throat> the crusade. <laughs> being over-policed and underprotected, and the murder clearance rate. I want you all to give it to him. Give it to him because I know he's going to hear you, and I know he's going to use it. And um, and we're just going to make this happen, everybody. On the Santita Jackson Show, continue to call me at 773-763-9278. Even if you're not getting through, I promise you we're going to get to you. Back with more of the Santita Jackson Show in just a minute.
1: This is The Santita Jackson Show.
2: Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show. Waiting for Commissioner Brandon Johnson to call in. In the meantime, we want to hear from you. 773 763 9278 here on WCPT, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station, and AM 950 Radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. On March 31st, early in the day, in the, early, in the late part of the morning, early part of the afternoon, WCPT will have a mayoral debate, and that night, Rainbow Push will do the same. We've gotten a confirmation from. Commissioner Brandon Johnson, we are awaiting a confirmation from uh, com- from Mr. Paul Vallis. We want to hear from you, Paul Vallis. We want you to be at the Rainbow Push Debate. So, got this tremendous panel. Uh, Xavier Nogueras from the Boca Media Group. Attorney Erin Connolly, uh, covenant, uh, covenant Strategy. She does so much brilliant work. Dwight McKee from Maffa and, and Sankofa on the west side at the New Mount Pilgrim uh, Baptist Church, and, of course, Pastor Stephen Thurston from the uh, New Covenant Baptist Church and Reverend Jeanette Wilson Maple Park United Methodist Church in Rainbow Push. Um, Dwight McKee, you were making a point, because uh, you've been making the point that this should not be a campaign, it should be a crusade. What were you saying during the break?
9: Uh, I was saying that I I agree that he needs a a strategy for young people. But what i do is I would bring in the young people that they already recognize and identify. I would have them doing the commercials. I would have or uh, try to have a chance running commercials on BET specifically for the young people Mm. talking about how he endorses, not unlike Ballard did with, with Jesse White. But well, Jesse is making an endorsement for the people that identify with him. So I, th- I think it's gets when I talk about the campaign of inclusion, I'm talking about how people can see where they fit and identify with the kids' causes and how they benefit them uh, directly. Your know, daddy's you self interest is sustaining for us in the organization.
2: Hmm. Let me go to you, Renee. Renee, what's on your mind today?
5: Hey, good. Uh, good morning, and thanks for taking my call. I you guess. know, back during the um, 2007 election cycle, I made a T-shirt, and it said, "You can take the man out of Bridgeport, but you can't take the Bridgeport out of the man. However, you can remove him and his John Birch taxes from City Hall." Well, today I want to say you can also prevent one of the men who carried out some of his most racist policies from getting into City Hall, a man who helped it dismantle public schools in black and Hispanic areas. Because when I was looking at a list, it showed areas that were gentrifying that had a uh, Hispanic, Hispanic, and uh, black, and even poor white population in those schools. He closed those too. I posted that on my Facebook page. But on a positive note, we can put somebody who has shown integrity, a man of intelligence, a man who has a plan, and a man who will keep it 100 into that office of City Hall. We just have to get informed and we have to get out there and vote for the best choice, which just happens to be Brandon Johnson.
2: Renee has spoken, everybody. Let me go to Hunter. Hunter, what's on your mind?
10: Yes, good morning, Santita, uh, uh, and to all the guests. I uh, appreciate all their comments. They're all right on target. I just have a couple of things I want to say, and hopefully uh, you Uh, can ask uh, Commissioner Johnson to respond to. Uh, Number one, uh, anticipating Reverend Willie Wilson's uh, remarks, uh, Laquan McDonald was hunted down like a rabbit. Um, The National Police Funding Database Project of the Thurgood Marshall Institute identified nine publicly reported settlements in Chicago that resulted in policy changes, but a total of three hundred and fourteen million five hundred and eighty five thousand dollars in monetary compensation to victims. This is a huge issue. We we don't know how much is in the city budget for all these settlements. How do they anticipate the costs? So uh, Chuck Gowdy from Channel 7 reported records show Chicago is spending as much money on outside law firms to defend police misconduct cases as it is spending on their own law department. $40 million a year going to outside law firms to handle police misconduct cases. And we don't know who the outside law firm is. Was there a no-bid contract? So I would hope that um, uh, Commissioner Johnson, should he become mayor, uh, tries to mitigate these issues. I mean, uh, Finance Commissioner, Committee Chairman Scott Waukesak, says the city needs to break this expensive pattern and concentrating on implementing police reforms mandated by the consent decree. That was September 2020. What has happened? Uh, just a couple of small things. Uh, CTAL safety. That's, that's a huge issue. I ride the CT ever since my um, BMW was totaled by a car accident uh, since September 2021. You know, I think it would be good. People would appreciate if they put deodorizers in the L station elevators and sanitize the escalators. You know, riding the L, particularly the red line, riders are hyper-vigilant. I've had to run off the train due to youth fighting. The K-9 units at the turnstile do nothing. So I would hope that uh, Commissioner Johnson would support uh, police on the L trains, especially on the red line, to stop young men from going car to car, selling cigarettes, cannabis blunts. One ounce bottles of alcohol and were smoking on the trains. You know, there was a man with an oxygen tank Mm -hmm. uh, who was on the train, and a guy comes on smoking and he asks him, Does he like living? And Mm -hmm. so he put the cigarette out.
2: Hunter? I would hope. Hunter, Commissioner Johnson is listening right now. So I mean, you given you given him a whole laundry list <laughs> of things to deal with. So let me bring up, and I love you, Hunter. I mean, because really, this is this is the people's station. This is what we're dealing with, and this and he's the people's candidate, as far as I'm concerned. And so let me bring Commissioner Brandon Johnson on, who has been a host on this show before <laughs> many times. Commissioner Johnson, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, good morning, Santita. Thank you, and of course to the worldwide listeners of the great St. Peter Jackson Show.
2: Well, you know, I have several people who are listening in. I have Xavier Nogueras from the Boca Media Group. I have Attorney Aaron Connolly listening, of course, Reverend Jeanette Wilson, Dwight McKee, and Reverend Stephen Thurston listening in from the New Covenant Baptist Church. Um, Of course, his family, his father used to be the president of the Progressive Baptist Convention, about 2.3 million black parishioners. And they, you know, are very supportive of you and have been we've been looking at ways uh, that as we're watching you close the gap between you and Paul Vallis, um, just looking at ways that we can continue to close this gap. So talk to us. Let me just get right to it. What about defund the police? And in fact, um, Reverend Thurston said something that I thought was just so brilliant. Reverend Thurston. Could you start off, and then I'm going to pivot to uh, Commissioner Johnson.
7: For sure. Hey, Commissioner, excited for your future, man, and you know we've got your, you. We've got your back, fully supporting you. Listen, your opponent is, in my opinion, is a one-trick pony. Keeps talking about this old piece about violence and stopping violence, stuff on crime. But then, when we look at the Chicago Police Department with its 1.7 billion dollar budget, and then we look at clearance rates. Chicago lowest in the country, forty-five percent black communities, twenty-one percent clearance rate. White communities, forty-five percent clearance rate. We see a big discrepancy there. And so, when we look at our communities, we're over-policed but underprotected. And I think that's a point that can be exploited with this one-trick pony. Uh, when you break down these facts to help them understand that there's no return on investment thus far, and what he's talking about doing is not going to help us at all.
2: Particularly as you've been accused of defunding the police. Please speak to that.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to defund the police. You know, and look, (laughs) I've been accused of a lot of different things, you know, and, you know, my record is actually quite clear. And I'm the only person in this race who's actually declared like a real comprehensive uh, budget plan as well as a public safety plan. And what I've said repeatedly, we need to hire and train, promote 200 more detectives. Um, you know, to Pastor Thurston's point, we're not solving crime. How do you engender um, confidence in the police department when crime is occurring and it's not being solved, right? And so we can do that immediately. More detectives so that we're actually in a position to solve the violent crime. I'll be working with the attorney general. I've spoken to this repeatedly as well. The consent decree is going to cost money, conservatively $50 million to make sure we we are implementing the consent decree with all due expediency third thing you have to make sure that we're actually enforcing the laws that are on the books we have red flag laws right people who have guns that should not have guns we want to make sure that we get those guns off the street now that's a difference between me and my opponent he's supported by kenny griffin citadel and it's their sole purpose is to produce more guns right and put more guns on the streets i'm trying to get guns off the street of course make sure that we're funding the programs that work. The other program that I've put forth in the immediate that we can do, the immediate, we can do this, is hire more young people, 14 to 24 years old, up to 26 years old. There's a direct correlation between youth employment and violence reduction. We can do that day one in my administration. Here's something else that's important. We need to make sure that we are not only opening our mental health centers, we need to make sure that we have EMTs, first responders that are social workers and counselors. respond to what ultimately are almost 40% of the 911 calls in the Los Angeles Times and you saw this the Los Angeles Police Department agrees with me the hardest part about being a police officer is not just doing their job but having to do someone else's job we shift the mindset within our entire culture to make sure that we have Um, first responders to deal with the mental health crises that frees up law enforcement to actually deal with the violent crime. Here's the other part that I don't want it to get lost on because this is the point that pastor Thurston has made and I've made it repeatedly over 40% of the violence that takes place in the city of Chicago. It takes place in 6% of the city. In other words, it's taking places in parts of the city that are overwhelmingly um, communities that are black, and poor. Those are the that's the very neighborhood that I'm raising my family in. Right? So this notion that somehow this issue is not being taken seriously by me, it's the same type of mindset or fear tactics that are used when it comes to my ability to actually pass and manage a multi billion dollar budget. He is offered no plan. And here's one other point. It takes up to eighteen months. It takes up to eighteen months in order for a police officer to get to the streets of Chicago. Who has, who on this call has two years to wait before we start to implement anybody's plan? Who has two years? I don't have two years to wait when you're raising a family in Austin. I don't. I'll be the first mayor elected in the city of Chicago who lives in one of the most violent neighborhoods in the city of Chicago darn near the country. There's an article in the Sun-Times that was just produced and released. The vast majority of homicides have taken place in Austin, where I live. There there are more homicides that have taken place in the last four years just in my neighborhood alone than most of the very communities combined that Paul Dallas is trying to trick and, and, and produce fear. No one has more incentive for this city to be saved than a black man with black children raising them on the west side of Chicago. And I'll say that over and over again. Yes, I'm a little bit provoked this morning. Absolutely, because we have to do what works. This is not about just simply being tough on crime. It's about being smart, and that's what my plan does. It's an investment plan.
2: What you know, you have, and just being a married father of three, um, who's I mean, and you're raising your children in the community. I mean, what. Can the mayor do to make you feel safer? I mean, please, in my parents' neighborhood, one of my parents' neighbors was carjacked in the driveway, right? I mean, in South Shore. It's, there's something that's going on out here. I mean, people are really, really struggling. And I'm not, make, I'm not making excuses for people. But when you have, if you go to Brazil, you'll have to stay in your hotel, Commissioner Johnson, because people are hurting. There is no middle class in Brazil. And they will tell you you better keep your prosperous looking self in the hotel until you get picked up otherwise you will get hurt out here so talk to me i mean what yeah. can you do as mayor what do you want to do about that
1: yeah and thank you for for putting context to that look this is a serious problem it's a problem that i'm going to inherit and as i said there's no one that has more of an incentive for this to work than me in this race between the choices and and when you talk about actionable uh, things that the mayor's office can do, you can put together a plan. There, there hasn't been a plan right now. You just have you know a bunch of fear mongering right now, and, and and quite frankly, and this is and I know you know people. Well, I'm just going to say
2: <laughs>
1: this is absolutely politics. This is the same tactics that the right wing these extremists that are supporting my opponent have 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 attempted to do in our communities for a very long time. You know, and so this is what I'm saying. The mayor's office has the ability to move an agenda to promote and train 200 more detectives right now. We can do that. In terms of recruiting more police officers How do you engender confidence, particularly within black and brown communities, to want to serve the city of Chicago as law enforcement? And there are so many barriers that keep individuals who live in the very communities that are most violent from serving. FICA scores, debt, misdemeanors. They don't pass the psychological exam, and no one knows why they don't. There are there are less officers per capita in Los Angeles and New York, and they do not have the type of violence that we have in the city of Chicago. One, because there's no plan. Two, because we're asking police officers to do their job in someone else's. I'm not going to require that of law enforcement. And three, we're not addressing the root causes of violence in the city. That's why my comprehensive budget plan gets at the immediacy of violence in the city of Chicago, and long-term solutions. All of us are experiencing mental health crises right now. There was a, a scene a, a few months ago. It was a murder scene in the West Loop, and the officers that were on the scene—the vast majority of them—could have been my former students, Benita, and the horror on their face on their faces because of the violence that they're exposed to every single day. And these are also young officers because the, the force is getting younger and younger. These are the same young people who are serving on the front line as officers who've grown up in trauma. And their day-to-day consists of trauma. And we're sending them to doors to be social workers and marriage counselors. That's not supporting police officers. It's not. I'm going to support police officers by supporting the community by investing in people. And so, yes, train and promote more detectives. I can do that right away. My opponent is not offering that. We implement the consent decree. He's not offering that because he is backed by the very people who do not want to see accountability. The leadership of the Fraternal Order Police said that the January 6th insurrection, they support it. You know, again, someone like Ken Griffin who have spent millions of dollars to shut down schools, to shut down mental health centers, to disinvest in communities, right? There's a clear distinction here, a very clear distinction. And I'm proud to be in this moment because this moment has been brought to us by a movement, a movement, a movement of people who, who, black, brown, white, Asian, it's a multicultural, multi-generational movement where I'm in every space in this city and they're all saying the same thing. They want investment, small businesses and economic development through investment, education and real opportunity, including having the trades in the schools. That's investment. They want reliable, safe transportation. That's investment. I'm the only one calling for that. They want housing and affordable housing. That's investment. My entire plan and my entire campaign And quite frankly, my entire life has been built around investing in people. And that's what I'm going to do as mayor. I've done it as a Cook County commissioner. I've done it as a Cook County commissioner. Hundreds of millions of dollars invested in the largest universal basic guaranteed income. where Overwhelmingly, black and brown women receive a check every single day who go to work and the ends don't meet. We are going to retire up to $1 billion of medical debt. We've released hundreds of we released millions of dollars, over $100 million, in violence prevention. The largest amount of investment in the history of Cook County government, that is the result of the budget for black lives that I've had. And black, brown, white, Asians, young, old, workforce development, economic development, we've done all that as a Cook County commissioner. I'm prepared to do this as the mayor of the city of Chicago because it is a matter of life and death. It's a matter of life and death. And I'm not going to let people, like, show fear into our people. That type of politics who have left communities behind, that's the old style. We're prepared for a better, stronger, safer Chicago by investing in people, whether it's law enforcement, nurses, social workers, teachers, small businesses, larger businesses, education. We literally have a plan for investment in every aspect and dynamic of this city. I am prepared to leave day one. Everywhere Paul has gone, he has failed. Everywhere he has gone. The reason why we have the structural deficit right now is because he went after the retirement security of women, a $2.5 billion bill that we have to pay. I'm going to eliminate the structural deficit that he caused. I'm going to make up to $1 billion of investment over my first term. And we're going to do it without raising property taxes. And I can't can wait you, to
2: do it. How can you not raise property taxes?
1: By making sure that those with means pay their fair share. That's a democratic principle. Joe Biden, the president of the United States of America, literally has the same message of my budget plan. Commissioner. Oh, okay. That's why I proposed the real estate transfer tax. The real estate, the real estate transfer tax, it can raise hundreds of millions of dollars annually to deal with the 65,000 plus that are without homes. How do we call ourselves a world-class city, and we have an entire ward, a size of a ward, of, of unhoused? There's a Jeff fuel tax that's on the table. There's a financial transaction tax that can raise millions of dollars. The financial transaction tax, even Mike Bloomberg agrees with me on that one, and Mike Bloomberg doesn't agree with most of the things that I believe in. Even Mike Bloomberg says the financial transaction tax makes sense. It is literally done all over the world. In nations that have multi-billion, trillion-dollar GDP,
2: Would that mean that you would go to the Merck and to the Board of Trade and for all of their financial transactions, which are untaxed, that they would be taxed? Are you open to that?
1: A half a penny. (laughs)
2: penny. (laughs) You know, because this is something that Dwight McKee has been pushing.
1: Mm -hmm. A half a penny. The rate that we are proposing in Chicago is less than what they're doing in places like Switzerland. And this notion that they'll just get up and back, somehow it is working and it's manageable in these other nations that do not have the poverty rate that we have, that do not have the the dynamic of of many people who are unhoused. Their education system is fully funded. We, We continue to pit working class against the billionaire class. When there's enough for everyone, there's no reason to be afraid of me and my leadership. And, and I don't think it's a coincidence that Election Day is, is, is April 4th. This message is not that much different than the message that has been pushed forever in this country. When, when A. Philip Randa, one of the great unionists of all time, he put together something that, that I modeled the budget for black lives after. He called it the freedom budget for all. And it was the impetus behind the great society that literally gave shovels to white men before there were things to dig. Because our country called it a national crisis when unemployment was 30% amongst white men. They never called it entitlement. They never talked about bootstraps. They never talked about welfare. They said it was a matter of national security. And in the city of Chicago, we have things to dig, we have stuff to build, and we have lives to save. And that's why I'm better for Chicago.
2: Brandon for Chicago.